0: Here's Gourlami.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Who Watches the Watchers. My name is Ian. This is Kenny. And today we're talking about Motherless Brooklyn, directed by... Edward Norton. Mm -hmm. It's starring him.
0: Yeah, and he adapted it to the screenplay, I believe. Yes, yeah, he wrote it. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, it's based on a book. Yes, this is a movie that I had not seen prior, but you had. Yeah, this was my movie of recommendation, for sure. And that's something that I want to put up front on every episode that we do of this. Yeah, as
0: who put the movie
1: out there. Yeah, cuz most of them are movies that I have not seen mm-hmm. that I have always wanted to. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's what's on our list right. I now. love that. I mean, no, yeah. it's great. You know what I mean?
0: I I out of the two of us, I think I've seen a little bit more movies. I'm yeah. not trying to put it out there. You no, know yeah, what I mean for but, sure. Um, so I think it's nice to kind of go through. Yeah, for me, a lot of these movies that I haven't seen in years, or things that mm-hmm. yeah deserve, I think deserve a good rewatch. You know, and it's fun to kind of get you watch you experience them. Yeah. yeah. And see how you feel about some of the ones that even I recommend, or yeah, you kind
1: of you know looked into. Yeah. So now it's my turn to gloat. I think most of the comic books. I've already read. Yeah, exactly. That's where I think this uh, (laughs) podcast is perfectly balanced. Yeah. You know? Good call. Um, But yeah, today we're talking about the 19... No, the 2019 movie, Motherless Brooklyn... Where and how did you watch this prior? So, I actually was always kind of intrigued by this movie. I had
0: seen its like initial like advertisements and things like that, mm-hmm. and I've always in- liked Edward Norton. I mean, he's yeah. no one that I put on like the highest, you know, pedestal, but I've always enjoyed his work. I thought it was really interesting that he was writing the screenplay and directing a movie that he was leading in because I yeah. always kind of think that's an interesting thing for actors and directors, you know, to do. Um, as a big Mel Brooks fan, you know, someone yeah. who basically loves someone who's done that his whole career. Um so that's where I kind of knew about this movie and but I didn't get to watch it until they put it on HBO
1: Max. Oh, okay. um, so so that's this my was first experience. Maybe it. last year that you watched it? Mm-hmm. Or, I think I or watched this year two thousand twenty. Yeah, okay at yeah. some
0: point in time. Okay. Whenever it was, you know. Um and and so, it hadn't been too long, but it was definitely long enough to kind of want to rewatch, you know, to yeah. get the full experience of it. Because it is a longer, a little bit longer movie. I think it's two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. Right?
1: It's about that. Minus, minus the credits. It's Somewhere in it's there, It's 2.20, yeah. yeah. Um, how did you receive it when you first saw it? Did you have any... I don't want to imply too much of my own experience. No, absolutely. But,
0: like, well, right out the gate, did you like this movie? Or, or, yeah. Yes at, or no? At the end of the day, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I liked this movie a lot when I first liked it, but, or when I first saw it, sorry. Um But I like the formula that this movie is made up of, it, I think is a big part of the reason for it, why it's successful with me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um It's got... Quite the acting cast to yeah. lead every, I mean, just about every major character in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I like Detective noiry kind of movies. I like old school detective films, you know? Yeah. And so I liked that this movie in a lot of ways went back to like traditional m- Detective. Like noir. Yeah, nu- yeah, detective noir style shooting, you know. Um a li- I, in in ways that are like almost kinda like not funny, but like, you know, a lot of the car scenes are blatantly Mad n- f- it will look fake. <laughs> you know, they're blatantly screens on any yeah. the side them. And but I think that was like an intentional choice to like go with like a lower quality style to give it that more old school noir yeah. feel, you know, like there's things that you can kind of hate on this movie for like things like, but I think they're, they're very intentionally done and I don't know it, like it makes it feel like a timepiece, you know? Um,
1: so let me read the plot from that's true. Let's get into what this movie is from the IMVD page. Um, in 1950s, New York, a lonely private detective, uh, a, affected yeah afflicted Afflicted. yeah okay i'm sorry the text is very small afflicted with tourette's syndrome ventures to solve the murder of his mentor and only friend that's by warner brothers Mm -hmm. warner brothers wrote that um and i guess it was just uploaded to imdb that's cool i want to talk about some performance reviews um this is a meaty movie we mentioned it's two hours Mm -hmm. and nearly and a half uh long yeah um and there's a number of characters in this movie definitely um let me let me name some of the actors it's it's starring edward norton yeah. um alec baldwin's in this movie willem dafoe bruce willis uh ethan supley uh cherry jones bobby cannavelli uh bobby cannavelli uh, tony mm-hmm. he is perfect for this movie i thought a lot of the casting
0: was perfect i thought what's the actor that plays coney uh the one from like uh Oh, right.
1: Ethan uh, Supley. I yeah. thought
0: Ethan Supley was a fantastic cast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they all felt like they belonged Yeah, in this time that they were kind of cast into. Yeah. yeah Tony, for sure, like, fit the role pretty spot on. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um. So, yeah, I mean, l- Bruce Willis is in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's Frank Mana. Right. Or Mina. Mina, Mina. yeah. Um, Mina. And when I say he's in this movie, I mean he's in... A portion, like the tiniest portion of this movie. Um, How did you feel he performed in this movie? Because I felt it was just Bruce Willis. Yeah. And not really a performance.
0: That's where I think this movie could be better is that I feel like some of, it's like they got these big actors to come be these kind of like cameo roles, but they kind of didn't give a shit when they came in and shot the scenes. Uh, Frank Mina's wife, complete dog shit. Called it, like
1: phoned in. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Super phony,
0: super un, you know, and I think it was meant to be that she was like not sincere. Like she didn't care about her husband's death. It was the reality of why she was being, but also it just came off super ingenuinely acted, you know? Yeah i think that was a weakness of this movie is that yes these they got these big actors paid them a bunch of money to come do small roles and they just kind of like did what they did for the paycheck and didn't really care you know they didn't care about edward norton's baby that he was trying to you know it's so
1: it's so weird seeing a performance like that like like leslie Mann's. yeah um her leave the scene and then bobby Canavelli literally doing a very good performance, yeah. a very believable <laughs> immediately character, immediately after l- the second after, and it's just like it's almost like he had to pick up her slack or something (laughs) um this movie is it feels like a theater performance where you have like
0: your pros that are just also that that came to like your local theater and decided like oh well we'll we'll put on a play with you guys and then so you have your local theater and they're backstage (laughs)
1: like reading the lines that night for performance and then they come out and they do it and then they're like hey that was pretty good for an on-spot performance exactly yeah that's that's how this movie kind of feels out um, I want to talk about the Lauren Rose. Um, she is very good in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's also in that morning show show mm-hmm. that I was telling you about on Apple TV, and I think you should watch. Have okay. you Have you watched? I haven't it watched it, but it's it's on my watch list. Oh man, I that move that show is far heavier than it ever implies to be wants to be got you well like that's from the my, outside you know, that's my shit right there so r- from the outside looking in you're like oh i kind of get what that show's about it's interesting but when you watch it it's fucking heavy dude yeah and she's incredible in that show and so it's it's interesting that i've never really seen her outside of that show or this movie yeah she's um,
0: not super out there yeah. yeah but i feel like the morning show is what gave it relevance to at least be in this
1: I think the morning show came after this. This came after this. Okay, because it's I've, possible because re- they reference uh, COVID in the morning show.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense then.
1: Um, but regardless, regardless, she's, she's on the up and up right
0: now. Yeah, definitely someone who's kind of on the yeah on the up and up. I like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I thought a lot of the performances that mattered were great in this and I thought okay so Willem Dafoe let's talk about Willem Dafoe was he a fun
1: surprise for you did you know he was in the movie I well I've seen the poster okay so I knew that he was in the movie um I don't think I've ever seen a bad performance from Willem Dafoe I like that and his character in this movie is a confusing one for me because he has a lot to do and almost never interacts with anyone other than Edward Norton. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot to give up when it comes to the plot of this yeah. movie. He's you know like our mean? missing
0: piece in a way. Or, you know, he's well, like, he knows all the missing pieces. Yeah, I at guess least. that's true. Yeah.
1: And he just leads, you know, um, Edward Norton's character. What is his name? Lionel.
0: Lionel. Or Orag or Obog is something. He's got a weird last name, but it's Lionel. I like that he, his uh Tick has a name for him if you didn't notice that he calls him oh, Billy. it calls him
1: Bailey. Oh Bailey. It's Bailey. I thought yeah. it was Billy. Yeah, so it's Bailey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh let's talk about Alec Baldwin for a second. Okay. Moses Randolph. His introduction in this movie great. Was phenomenal. I for love me. it so much. I remember
0: watching that scene for the first time where he storms into the mayor's office demanding the other yeah you know, and just being like kind of like half not half paying attention but like semi invested to being just fully engaged into the movie instantly you know just from
1: he spoke when he got out of the pool mm-hmm. and it re- let me talk about how the agent Oh, sorry says. sorry yeah <laughs> so they re- the direction I don't know if this was cinematography or mm-hmm. if it was direction it has to be but it was Edward Norton probably mm-hmm. directed it to where you do not get to see his face For the first minute and a half that he exists within the film, which is across a dozen scenes where Uh he's getting out of a pool, getting like leaving a building, getting into a car, going to a courtroom or a courthouse or whatever. Yeah, it's this whole transition
0: of events. Yeah. And never
1: showing his face. And you hear him speak a couple of times. You understand that he's a lumbering kind of asshole of a man and then he finally storms into the to the room mm-hmm. and it finally shows his face after he slammed down the page and it's also you understand who this character is before you automatically have to dignify that or signify that character to Alec Baldwin That's do you so know weird. what i mean yeah and and i think that that is the shining like specter of this film is that there are a ton of aspects that are very thought into Mm -hmm. that feel like they're accidentally placed in this movie in my opinion and that's that's one of them no that's
0: honestly amazing for you to break down that sequence of events and i mean it's like i recognize that but i didn't even think about that in that way that's so true that like it it makes you it makes you respect the character before you have to be like oh well obviously it's alec baldwin so that's why it's
1: this character you know and it, it it makes me wonder why they did that there was there was a dozen hints of uh, Alex um, in, impression of Donald Trump mm-hmm. that I felt in this movie that didn't take me out of the film, but immediately reminded me that, right, this man also plays Donald Trump every Saturday. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so it's like, it's, it's, it's just strange that like, it bums me out a little bit cuz I love Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. not as a human mm-hmm. but as a as a as performer. An actor, yeah. Right. Um and it, it it amazes me that he and now that he's in his older age he is only he only can exist as a couple of characters on screen now.
0: You know what I mean? But I think he owns that character
1: well, you know what I mean? I can agree but I'd like to see less of that character. Not necessarily that I think film or stories don't need that character. I, I think it's a great character. I would like to see him try to play outside of that. Yeah, you just want to see like less a, of it from him. Yeah. Right. Because exactly. I feel like it's a comfort zone at and this point. And see other people attempt
0: that character, right. maybe, you know, rather than just keep going to the person we know can do it. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
1: And so, like, it, it's just amazing his introduction. I highly respected it mm-hmm. because from hearing his voice, somehow from seeing him swim, mm-hmm. I understood that it was Alec Baldwin. Without for sure knowing that Alec Baldwin was in this film, and then while it refused to show his face, I was like, "Is it Alec?"
0: (laughs) It actually sowed doubt in your heart a little bit,
1: (laughs) a little bit. Yeah, but I felt like his introduction was the best Mm -hmm. introduction of any character in this film for sure. Um, Because everyone else is, is, we see Lionel. Mm -hmm. Um, He's he is. Doing detective work, yeah, and trying to uncover pieces and trying to learn more about other people. And he he always every every other character interaction that aren't people that he already knows, yeah, he literally has to ask someone else to point them out in a room, pretty much. You know what I mean? Or he sees them from across the room, yeah, like uh, uh, Willem's character. Yeah, what is Willem's character? Um, Let me look it Paul. up. She calls Paul. him Uncle Paul. Paul yes. Randolph, I believe is his it name. is Paul. Um, and so. His character is... I mean, I already talked about it. I want to talk about Lionel a little bit too, though, because we haven't gotten into kind of the big thing. I I wanted to talk about all the good performances
0: first. (laughs) You don't think Lionel's a good performance?
1: Yeah, I don't think
0: so. Oh, okay. See, that's where we'll definitely have differing opinions. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Willem Dafoe's performance first then.
1: Well, I mean, I just... Yeah, we did highlight it a little bit. I like him a lot, and I like his introduction a lot, Mm -hmm. where he seems like he's out of place for sure immediately. Yeah, You know what I mean? And I I like that a lot. Mm Um. No, let's talk about well, or Edward let's, Norton. Let's talk about Lionel, come on. Okay. You do not you did not like Edward Norton's
0: performance in this movie? I
1: it's not that I didn't like Edward Norton's performance in this movie. I don't think Edward Norton wanted to perform in this movie. Oh.
0: In my opinion, Interesting. Yeah, but go on. Okay. I mean, well, no. I mean, I'm very interested to hear okay. that thought and kind of fruition. So, you know, Let's talk
1: about Lionel. He has Tourette's. Mm-hmm. He has a thousand ticks. Which
0: is a big sensitive thing to have in movies, like yes. any kind of mental disability or anything to be reflected in a movie. But I thought this one did it about as well as it can be reflected. You know what I mean? To yeah. not cast such a negative light on it so much as to make it seem like it's just like a daily, not, not even, I don't want to call it a daily struggle, but just something to live with in your daily life you know it's something you learn to cope with you know and i thought that was reflected really well where it's like you know i loved the sound of metal a lot as a Uh movie yeah um but that movie does do kind of a bad job of reflecting cochlear implants you know what I mean? because they're not always this horrible reality for Mm -hmm. people and but that movie kind of makes it seem like it's like the wrong choice you know
1: yeah i think we're gonna cover that movie i know sorry i'm sorry i you want to cut all this i just realized you haven't seen that movie (laughs) yeah I suck. No, I'm going <laughs> to... I just gonna... auto-assume you did. No, you're fine. I mean, I saw the trailer, so okay. I know what happens Anyway, much.
0: it just doesn't reflect... Yeah, my point being is it doesn't reflect the, the disabilities right. in a, a necessarily healthy light like I believe this movie really does with Tourette's, which, I mean, it does have its moments, but I really think it shows it in a way that it's trying to not make them seem like oh, just a straight-up negative right. thing, you know?
1: I respect that. I respect a lot of those aspects because... It doesn't make the movie about Tourette's. There you go. It doesn't make the movie about him struggling with Tourette's. Mm -hmm. And every character kind of gets it, even though this kind of takes place in a time period where maybe we didn't know maybe Mm -hmm. anything about Tourette's to begin with. You know what I mean? And so I, I really respect the way that this film uses Tourette's, Um, and, and, uh, and how he, he kind of Mm -hmm. plays into it. Yeah. I don't think that he, it felt like he didn't want to do it. It felt like there was so many scenes where I felt like he, he like was half attempting some things. Hmm. And I didn't think that there were, because at the very beginning of the movie, it immediately puts you in a place of his accent, mm-hmm. and it, his accent isn't always present throughout the rest of the film.
0: And or is his Tourette's this is kind of a bummer. It de- yeah, definitely does do fade away towards the end of the movie, which is something I definitely noticed the second time rewatching. Yeah, but
1: that's yeah. There's a lot of scenes where you're like, man, he hasn't ticked for the past like. You know, seven minutes. And so I wonder if that was like Edward Norton's choice, because we I
0: have to believe that he was so involved in every part <coughs> of this—the yeah. writing, the directing, and being the lead actor on the screen. He casted the movie. Yeah, and so it's like, was that a choice of like showing that he's just so comfortable in those environments that it's you know his brain's not ticking, or you know like was is it just kind of weaker writing where he's like, yeah. oh well, no, these need to be heavier dialogue scenes, so he can't be screwing up every you know ten seconds. Yeah, so. Um, But I don't know. I didn't I didn't get that from Edward Norton's performance. I thought I a lot of it is incredibly genuine. You know what I mean? And I think I mean, the most I think he
1: believes in the character a lot. I'll give that to you. But go on.
0: I was just going to say, I think the most jarring performance I've ever seen Edward Norton do is obviously, uh, you know, uh, Um, American History History X, X, you know, and that's where he really, like, turned up those acting chops to 10. But I honestly don't always think that that's, like, his best place to perform at. I think when he kind of turns it down a little bit and does, like, this more, like monotone or introverted kind of character it it works a little bit more for just like (coughs) the style and personality and almost like look that he has as an actor you know and so i thought a lot of it came off as just someone who sucks at communicating Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like he's like this kind of awkward guy you know um so i mean I, i don't know i thought i thought his acting kind of carries the movie at certain moments where it just kind of could be more you know less uh you know, dynamic, invoca- invocative, you know, oh, yeah, like yeah, interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I thought it added a really unique dynamic to a detective, yeah, noir story, and they gave it something that, like, exactly, um, kept it kind of going along and made it to where it created a conflict with him. Where yeah. made, you know, because this whole movie is just a big rabbit hole. You know, it starts with Frank Minna's death, and it's just a rabbit hole of him coming into something that has absolutely
1: nothing to do with that. Um, you know, yeah. No, it's, it's, it is, it is a a heavy, deep story, Mm -hmm. or at least it has deep hallways that wants you to venture down. Yeah. Um, but it's, it it does, I feel like this movie feels like to me, if it, it feels like a movie that was written and it has the, it feels like it has the budget of a nineties movie. Yeah. It feels like if this movie had come out around the time as like LA Confidential and and other things like that, this movie would be regarded as a masterpiece. And you could still translate most of the cast to that so true. to that time period too. And I think that this movie would it have still been still work. <laughs> would have been very phenomenal. That's so funny. And that that was something that I felt like I kind of had to go into when it came to research mm-hmm. when I came to watching this movie because the 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 book that it's based on mm-hmm. came out in the 90s. Oh, okay. And took place in the 90s. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That he chose to make it like more of a 50s the style thing, story? Yeah, so it's it's written by I'm going to look up the artist. Mm-hmm. Or the the writer of the, the writer. Book. Yes. No, absolutely. So give me 1 second. Take your time. Okay, so the book was originally written by Jonathan Lethem. Okay. And when he wrote it, he wrote it as a um a take on the fifties noir genre and lifted it to be in a different time period. In so it felt times. different. Yeah. Cause it came out in 99. It took place in 99 or 98 or whatever, whenever okay. he was writing it. Interesting. And so I find it extremely interesting that, that um, Edward Norton read the book when it came out, wanted to do a movie for it. He didn't have everything lined up until twenty twelve. Yeah. And then he still didn't feel like he had the right chops to do it. Things didn't line up perfectly. And so he waited until twenty eighteen or whenever they filmed this movie. And they had made it to work in the fifties. So it's it's like it's like he took something Jonathan Letham took something from the fifties and put it in the nineties <laughs> and then Edward Norton was like, I'm going to adapt it, but I'm going to put it right back into the 50s. (laughs) Put it back where it belongs. (laughs) That's so funny. And so I find that very interesting. And I think that if Edward went to...
0: Oh, man. Do you think he made it the way that he did because he misses movies from like the 90s? Like he basically was doing it in homage to the movies that he he, kind of started in because it is... You're right. I agree that if it would have come out the same summer as LA Confidential, those two movies would have competed for, like, the best movie that year or something, yeah. you know? Like, it has that capacity, and it. but it just feels almost taken out of time. Yeah. Right. It, like, doesn't belong in 2019. It belongs in 1999, you know? I exactly. agree with that so wholeheartedly.
1: Um, I
0: I like that it takes place in the 50s. <laughs> I think 50s. that's hilarious that all the actors could literally be <laughs> in it from in 99, too, and still yeah. play all the same parts, and it would still make perfect sense.
1: Yeah, it's... <laughs> literally almost every well not so much uh, well not Laura Google, Rose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um most of them though yeah um i think that uh, man this <laughs> Sorry. this movie's just a conundrum to me honestly mm-hmm. i like it in the end because the story's deep and it and it leads you down mm-hmm. a deep hallway but it the scene Oh man, the scene where they're on the the fire escape running away from the giant man mm-hmm. which that's what he's literally like cast it as. as. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um that's it feels like the practicality of a 90s movie. It's mm-hmm. crazy. This movie's bonkers to me. Um but I mean, what are some of your favorite parts in the movie? Favorite parts in the movie? Well, I mean, one thing I was going to
0: note on is I like Moses Randolph kind of as a villain in this movie. Alec I Baldwin's thought he character. was yeah, I really my Alec Baldwin's character. I thought he was a really good uh concept to like a noir style villain which is just someone who all of the problems are below him you know what I mean he's like a kingpin at the the end of the day that all of these problems that are happening or all of the issues in this movie are at the end of the day kind of below his you know pay or you know his worries in the sense of like it's something that he's sicked a bunch of other people on to handle you know and shouldn't even have to deal with himself but like our pesky you know a PI you know really just kind of brings it to fruition but I it It's like I was unsure how to feel about his motives in the end. You know what I mean? Like why he did the things he did or like why he chose. But I also think that they kind of make perfect sense for someone with that kind of mentality of only being forward-minded. You know what I mean? A a futurist who, you know, like will burn anything down to make it, you know, their way.
1: I... From what I understand,
0: he is either a real life character or based on a real life. Like character. he's kind of like creation of many people. Yeah, yeah. probably evil, real evils. Yeah, um, but I think funny enough, one of my favorite scenes from that movie, and it made me—I kind of made a joke about it when I was watching it last night. Um, was when Edward Norton gets the shit kicked out of him in the alleyway. Oh right! But he yeah. wakes up that next morning to the trumpet player playing trumpet six feet away from him Uh passed out on the couch I was like how pissed off would I be if someone woke me up literally playing a trumpet six feet away from me like that's not not a great way to wake up no matter how great they are at a trumpet you know what I mean but I really like that kind of scene with them together and we get that that that's what's uh, the actor's name yeah yeah
1: so that's play. he's the The character is played by Michael Kenneth Williams. Yeah, who I really like. He's amazing in this film. Mm -hmm. He's one of the highlights in this film. I agree a His character's name is Trumpet Man. He's just Trumpet Man. (laughs) Which was kind of a bummer to me. Yeah, that is kind of a bummer. I felt like that was a super noir thing to do, though. Yeah. Is have a character that's literally only referred to as Trumpet Man. But then when I found out that he doesn't exist in the book, or at least he doesn't exist in the same sense in the book... And it takes place in the 90s. I was like, oh, man. They just literally named him Trumpet Man. And and he has so much to do in this movie to the point where it's like, why didn't you just give him give a name? And I felt like they did give him a name because they
0: talked about a guy that was, like, becoming big and the French cats were going to take him yeah. away. But I guess those weren't even meant to be the same person. Yeah. But that would have made sense if they would have been, you know. Um, but either way, I really – exactly. And I like that he had this that scar across his face. Well, that's his real his life face, scar. face, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I just think I think his acting performance is great and I really liked the dialogue we got between them where you know he's like, Well at least you have a, a horn to push it through and make it sound pretty and he, yeah. you know we get the well there's a lot of other hours in the day, you know. Like what I just a- thought that's such a powerful message of like we all have a struggle, you know.
1: Yeah. Um let's take a quick break and then when we come back we'll we'll finish up our talk on motherless Brooklyn. Let's break it up. <laughs> Hey guys welcome back welcome back um so for the first uh like 30 to 35 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. i hated it <laughs> really? i was in hell i felt like this was a joke like even thinking back on it right now trying to watch it and like the first impression of lionel of lionel and not only lionel but like just like Bruce Willis's like half attempt at, at being a character in this movie. Yeah. I felt like it, I can't watch that again. I don't think it's until Alec Baldwin's uh entrance that I feel like it it, it starts to really pick up yeah. into the actual story. I could absolutely
0: agree with that too. Like they could the first thirty minutes of this movie is what could really be expanded on too, in the sense of yeah, I think we could've used a little bit more Frank Minna and Lionel relationship before that that, it was just happening you know what i mean so i think that would have been smarter to instead of just jumping into the moment Mm -hmm. you know we lose frank minna basically like give us a little bit of time with them let's see that relationship from when they were kids growing up you know what i mean before it's just like everything's just happening so i can agree it starts off kind of rough and i even kind of remember feeling the same way um i think i was just kind of caught up in the noir of it all, you know? right? Yeah,
1: it's a good-looking movie. It mm-hmm. does a well job or a good job at at portraying the time. Mm-hmm. Other than whenever cars are moving inside, whenever yeah. you're inside of a car, <laughs> definitely. Um, some of my favorite like low-key performances. Um, one was by Dallas Roberts, who oh, is- oh yeah, Danny y- is that his character's yeah, his name? name? Is Danny, it's yeah, you're right. Tommy, Danny, Coney, and Lionel, or yeah. the four. Um Danny's performance in this movie or or Dallas Roberts, yeah. I'd never seen him before, but his performance in this movie was fucking good. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh wow, this guy is a character. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know how he talks in reality, mm-hmm. but like like I felt like he did a good job, especially Definitely. when he came back from taking pictures at the club you and he shippied out of him. Yeah. You know? He was he was doing a good job. He was, it, like it, genuinely like seemed like that scared, you know. Like uh, I was bummed that we didn't get more of him after that. Yeah. E- even um, Supley's character, what's what's his first name? Ethan Supley, the mm-hmm. the bigger guy. He, yeah, he shows up for the first portion of the movie and then not really the rest of it. You yeah,
0: know? I think and it's because we just we fall. Yeah, we end up on the tangent of you know this what's going on with Lionel mm-hmm. um, and them not being involved is kind of part of it. You know what I mean? because yeah. then we obviously find out later on that Tommy. Has been way more
1: involved than we even yeah. knew from the he's start. Like, you know, he's like involved in the opposite sense. Yeah, for you, yeah. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also find out through dialogue that he's been banging
0: Leslie Mann too, mm-hmm. which kind of made I feel like we were made <laughs> to kind of understand when she's like, you know, Tommy's my, you know, the one I'm working through now. You know, we were meant oh, to I like, didn't even infer that. that
1: they had something weird going on between yeah. the two of them. You know, I, see, and that's the thing. Like uh, Lionel is the one that calls it out to. Bobby Cannavale's character. Yeah. What is his name? Tommy. Tommy. Yeah, it's it. He calls it out to him, and I'm like, "How did he figure that out? I didn't even know that." You what, didn't even catch was, those subtle hints. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, another character that I really liked in the mm-hmm. movie was um Fisher Stevens' character, Lou. The the kind of like head gangster oh that, that's right yeah, yeah. He, he's like the boss of the strong man yeah. or the large yeah man or he's whatever. like the small man to yeah. the large man yeah. Basically, yeah and he I love him as an actor I think mm-hmm. he's pretty good but his character in this movie was was pretty believable yeah, he's in like my the opinion. difference to Bruce Willis uh, where he
0: took those small bits of role and like ran with them and yeah. actually made them feel genuine and good instead of just like barking out lines and getting paid for it you know yeah um but uh so that think. just shows that like this movie had a lot of heart in it. You know, it's like yeah. maybe maybe those actors are like more Edward Norton's friends. You know, and like re- definitely and they're more in his inner circle to where they were just like more willing to like work into his passion project. You know, and yeah. if anything, he wanted these big faces to kind of help push the movie over that edge of like interest to you know a lot of people and which makes sense you know what i mean and if you can do it one if you can get bruce willis to be frank minna why not get from bruce willis to be frank minna you know what i mean
1: so apparently he was the first one to to like agree to work on the movie with edward that's badass yeah (laughs) and i mean it's kind of easy to agree to do a a movie when all you have to do is die in the first 30 minutes you know what i mean yeah (laughs) i guess that's so true right (laughs) um uh i like I like the part when they go to the club, Mm -hmm. the jazz club, and uh, Edward Norton um, invents scatting. Yeah, basically. (laughs) She's like, you want to get up on stage and do
0: some scat? (laughs) (laughs) I really, I grew up watching noir films with my dad. Funny enough, that's like one of the things besides like old Westerns he did, like, to watch sometimes. And so this movie's, like, real nostalgic to the 90s for me. I think that was such a good call for you that, like, I I really think this movie needs to teleport back 20 years ago and come out, and then it would be a master success, you know what I mean?
1: Even if it came out in 2000, 2001, I feel like it'd be, like... The better
0: movie of those years.
1: (laughs) I feel like even if it had that aspect ratio and maybe even shot on, like, older cameras, Mm -hmm. it would have been nicer to look at. I felt like the... Starkness of how good the cameras looked kind of felt weird, and and then you had that kind of a uh, um like point you pointed out that um it, it does kind of feel like a stage play. Oh yeah, sometimes. I mean it
0: feels very theatrical, even in some of the acting where it's yeah. like either over the top or you know very very subtle. Um, but then even one thing I was going to mention on and kind of that goes with that is a lot of the wardrobe. I oh, really yeah. liked. Edward Norton's look throughout the whole movie. I like yeah. the black turtleneck and the fact that he kind of took on Frank Minna's coat Jack and, and jacket hat. and hat and those were like running clues through the movie you know that was yeah. such a good way to do that you know in my opinion like the slowly finding clues through the, ha- the clothes and then Let, you know like
1: let's talk about the the plot of the mystery mm-hmm. was it hard for you to follow because I'll admit it was hard for me to follow really I was confused on why um, on why this was important enough to kill people like multiple people even yes, over like the fact that um what is his name Randall? they
0: never do give a good example or a good explanation on why this information is such a high yeah it's such a high value to him or so important for him to not get out you know what i mean right um,
1: so i mean the the big catalyst is that rose is um or miss yeah, Lower rose, Lauren rose is, is uh alec baldwin's character's daughter yeah and it, but through the
0: movie, we've been even kind of hinted at that he doesn't really care for you know black people minorities and, and those, yeah minorities kind, yeah. and that's the people that he is intentionally pushing out of Brooklyn out of right. New York City you know and so it's like I it's a big plot <laughs> twist in that way but I mean my best guess is that it it's like the typical. You know, I mean, I think initially the reason he didn't want anything to do with her is that he's just so futuristic-minded that he didn't want anything to...
1: I I didn't think he wanted kids whatsoever. Exactly. He just was like, I
0: don't want a kid, especially not with some woman I just banged for fun sometimes, you know? Um, But then beyond why it's such a bad thing to be leaked out, I guess it's just... It's got to be reputation, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's like... Um, to be, you know, like a. But
1: would that have stripped any power from him?
0: That's what I, I guess is a good call. Like, what would it have really done? Even if it did get out, who, if he had all these these positions of power, would they be like, yeah, stripped from him just for like, oh, you have an illegitimate daughter, you know, yeah. minority daughter? Um, so that's it. It's a good call that it's a kind of a weak. uh Catalyst. Catalyst to literally
1: go around murdering people over. Yeah, because um, like but the I- the idea is that Frank Minna is the one. Bruce Willis's character is the one that uncovered the the. Truth. Well, I believe he gets killed because he's trying to blackmail them over it. Essentially, oh, that you know, he—that's why they call him a gumshoe.
0: That's what a gum—it's someone who just you know sticks on to your success. Yeah, you know, it's like the gumshoe uh, is a detective, isn't it? I thought it was like no, a a
1: gumshoe is is like a shitty detective. No, oh, really. Yeah, because <laughs> they just
0: like stick to you and they just like hold it. Because I mean, no, that's it's, what it is—like
1: someone stuck to your shoe. I think you know, the idea is it was originally used for rookie detectives and is because the shoe, the gum on their shoe was um like newer. It was the bottom sole of their shoe. They were <laughs> oh, just breaking it it's like the literal gum of the shoe yeah (laughs) the sole of the shoe is breaking it
0: um but either way i mean we we did reveal that he was just trying to blackmail them Was his
1: whole own motivation throughout the whole
0: movie was that he found this information out and thought he could get some some money for it to like raise his position in life it wasn't anything like more noble than that you know which was kind of a bummer a little bit too but yeah it's also very realistic you know what i mean that he wasn't a great man he was a Orphan from Brooklyn, you know, that had just kind of raised a bunch of other kids. So it makes sense he'd have kind of like a negative, um, reason for doing the things he was doing. Yeah,
1: I wonder how the plot of the book works in that sense mm-hmm. because it takes place in the nineties, the and room. they're kids in an orphan orphanage. Mm-hmm. They're teenagers i think
0: yeah because i even feel like the time placement's really important because it talks about like the great depression Mm -hmm. and them all going off to world war ii and then it
1: implies a whole lot of like building new york and this guy that kind of existed where he like kind of controlled like a lot of how new york was structured you know what i mean it's got to actually be pretty because it's pretty different information yeah yeah it's rooted in like some legitimate like historical fact and it's just like it's crazy that like Edward Norton was able to take enough aspects from this book to yeah. call it motherless Brooklyn in the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean that that's fair. Like you kind of have to say like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lift these things. I'm going to make an adaptation of it. Yeah. You know make what I mean? Make it my own. Yeah. Right. And so it's just, it's like whenever we, uh, I say the royal we. Yeah. Whenever people get up in arms about like a comic book movie, Mm -hmm. how it's not accurate to the comic book or whatever, it's that's very much how this is. Where it's like, have you ever heard of James James Cameron's Spider Man? Where like (laughs) (laughs) there's a part in the script where he like has a wet dream and there's like webbing everywhere and like it's just these crazy things where it's Concepts. like why would you do that why would you change that so heavily from spider-man you know what i mean yeah. like why would you ever do that there's plenty of good story that isn't that <laughs> it's just crazy to me that this book has been adapted no this i way. mean
0: it's it's surprising i mean i think it's hilarious what you said earlier where it's like it's an idea taken from the 50s converted into the 90s and then taken from the 90s and reconverted back into the 50s and yet somehow it's still the same thing you know yeah. like um, but I think that this movie succeeds for being placed in the 50s and having that kind of timepiece style to it. Yeah, I feel like if it would have been modern. modern, it wouldn't have it, wouldn't work. You know what I mean? Who are your top three
1: performances in this movie? Because okay. I, I have mine for sure.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I loved Edward Norton's performance. I'm putting it up there. Okay, <laughs> sorry to say, but after that, I mean, Alec Baldwin for sure. I think he, I think in a bigger way, he. Through even the limited amount of screen time he has in this movie, he carries it in a huge way and feels like a force to be reckoned with yeah. throughout it. You know, and I think that's what he's good for. You know what I mean? To feel like it, the enemy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, I don't know. It's like William Defoe, and then the actress that played Laura Rose's name. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting Google, M- yeah, Google, rock. You know, um, I think they all kind of <laughs> put on really great lead performances to kind of help carry this movie along,
1: you know? Yeah. I think mine I I think my favorite performance was from uh his name escapes me, let me look. It's okay. Michael Kenneth Williams, the
0: Oh, man. and Michael Kenneth Williams. Man. I feel
1: like he really definitely knew what kind of performance to, to give in mm-hmm. this movie. And I feel like it was confused for a lot of other actors. And I feel like Willem Dafoe it always brings it every time like yeah, true. like the, the time not. when they're the part when they're in the diner and and Lionel is asking him like w- what is happening who is this guy why does this matter and he's like like eloquently like into it like he is actually showing like passion when yeah. he's talking about the the structure of these bridges and shit mm-hmm. it I was like wow uh willem Defoe's really bringing it in this movie and um I think he's up there and then yeah gugu mabatha Ra is she's Perfect. She's the perfect person to play this game. Yeah,
0: character. and I feel like we haven't even talked about her too much in her performance to this, which is that like
1: Loki because she is a plot point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not faulting that to anything other than that. That's how it is. But like, yeah, she.
0: Her, we don't get to see her really well. A lot of the movies, she's something we see from afar. Exactly. Right. She's something we're observing from a distance, like a PI. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and did you find it weird that they were kind of a thing? When it came to Lionel and... and uh, I thought...
0: See, I thought their whole relationship lined up so organically, you know what I mean? Like, the only part that didn't make sense to me was that why her dad wouldn't be like, hey, don't trust that guy. He works for the Bureau Authority because the next time she sees him after her dad kicked his
1: ass, she's like, oh, you're just still the reporter. Like yeah. It's
0: like, not like it was communicated to her that he wasn't someone to trust, which you think would have happened. She
1: kind of just did b- blindly trust him. Yeah, I bit. mean, she
0: really does like blindly trust him, but um I mean... He, he doesn't i mean i think that their relationship still came off very like genuine i thought they had a great on-screen chemistry in my opinion
1: yeah i mean yeah it was it was a good movie it was a good
0: movie in the end i'm glad it, you watched it,
1: it. yeah <laughs> um i won't lie to you i don't think i will rewatch
0: it no i mean i wouldn't have probably rewatched it for a long time if we wouldn't have been doing it for this you know yeah. um but i'm glad i did because it was definitely good to rewatch to experience the things i probably would have missed or like underappreciated the first time or to kind of notice the slightly more faulty yeah. things that it had going on you know but there's a part
1: i, I just want to talk about no, the, yeah, the fire escape again where laura laura rose literally just kills the the yeah. giant man <laughs> like just throws a, a potted plant on him while he's like hanging from a ledge Feels like literally like a 90s movie mm-hmm. and he just falls and splatters on the ground and i i was like that was fucking heavy. And mm-hmm. you can kind of feel it for a second where they allowed it to play where she's like she stops to look at the body one yeah, more time like, before he bring yeah, takes her along. Like I really just killed that dude. Yeah. And then fucking Fisher Steven comes out of the, <laughs> with a gun. He he he's barely in the movie and he yeah. he does a it's great, great job. <laughs> job. Honestly. Um but yeah, uh, I give this movie a uh, a 2.8
0: Okay, there you
1: go. I liked it. Yeah, I'll give it a, I'll give
0: it a 3.5. Okay. Uh, especially because we didn't even mention the fact that it actually got the award for its soundtrack, or at least the okay, nomination so for the soundtrack. That's something I wanted to talk about. The uh, soundtrack
1: before, was incredible. Yeah, I was
0: like, that's the one thing that's got notoriety for was its soundtrack, and I think that is what it deserves notoriety for. <laughs> uh, yeah, it got the Golden Globe nominee for Best Original Soundtrack a motion, in a motion picture.
1: It, the soundtrack is so good. Who Who does it? It is... Okay, it was Winton Mar- Marsalis. He does the the jazz the jazz parts for No, you. well he does like the j- cuz it's all like slow jazz yeah, like... throughout the whole film. And so yeah, he does the score and there was a, a like a theme that was written by Tom York, Tom mm-hmm. York from uh Radiohead. Oh. And <laughs> Flea is the trumpeter on the From Reb Hip Chippy Poppers. Red Hop Chippy
0: Poppers. Yeah,
1: Flea plays trumpet on the song. Um, But yeah. yeah. Good music. Decent movie. The music was so
0: fucking. If you like detective movies, watch it. That's what I have to say. Yeah. Um, So
1: what's next? What's next? What is next? Holy shit. Let's look at the list. Tenant. Yeah. What are we going to do the week after tenant? Does yeah, Minari, do- I think Minari. is what we were
0: kind of we doing our yeah our uh, Oscar, Oscar run. run right now. We're yeah. just getting through all them oskies. So yeah, right now it says tenant Minari Mank, but I feel like we can even, we'll mix it up
1: we'll mix if it we up. have to, but yeah. right now, never believe a word we
0: say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. Um, wait, are we finishing the episode? Is this yeah, it? Honestly, I think that's a pretty much okay. wrap on the motherless Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Um, come back next Wednesday for comic book and next Friday for movie. Yeah, we're talking a little uh backwards in time with a little tenant, so have you seen it? I have not. You have this haven't? is a
0: new one for the both of us. Okay. So, awesome. We will see you then or we will see you on another time. Bye. Bye guys.